Time now for the Penn State Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. And the Sports Spectacular is here. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley joining shortly. Uh, we've got a great show coming up. Uh, Mike Gross uh, from the uh, Lancaster Papers is going to talk to us about the Nittany Lions, uh, successful football season, but also basketball uh, coming up as well. Speaking of hoops, Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com is here to talk bracketology. Uh, right now, the Lions not in the mix, but listen, we think this is a team right now in a Big Ten that's pretty much wide open outside of two or three teams. Um, where you could really make some noise. And Penn State certainly already has some good wins, and we'll talk about that uh, coming up. Speaking of the Lions uh, on the court, 8-8, eight and 2-3 eight, uh, and three in conference. Big game coming up on Saturday at Purdue. That game could be seen on BTM. And then following that up with the number 15 team in the country in Wisconsin. That's on Tuesday and still ahead after that uh, at Ohio State. That's next weekend. Uh, Minnesota's been playing well, though they did lose the other night. Um, they are. Uh, they play them on the 27th. The Gophers do come into State College. Uh, and still on the schedule later, uh, Northwestern's had some good wins. Michigan State's always tough. Illinois ranked right now in the top 10. They come in town and still another game with Minnesota later. So the Lions right now uh, with, uh, well, a lot to do on the court. But we'll talk here uh, about all that in just a moment. But again, we've got uh, Jerry Palm on the way in just a moment. And we'll step just outside campus, if you will. And we'll talk a little uh, NFL at the end of the show. Um, get some picks from the guys uh, on some of these wild card games. Well, joining us now to talk more about the Nittany Lions, so football, basketball, and the rest back on the show. Happy New Year to our friend uh, Mike Rills, columnist with the Lancaster Newspapers. Uh, Mike, good to see you. Welcome to 2024. Uh, let's talk about, the first off, the, the, the Lions. I mean, uh, you know, listen, here's a good thing. Uh, we talked all season long. The 14 playoff format is over, and now we're in 2024. And uh, I, I feel like there are a lot of teams, Penn State's one of them, that looks ahead and says, okay, now we can get something going. We may have one of these Southern teams up at our place when it's cold and we can get some wins and, and advance and maybe win this thing. Uh, I, I think uh, if you would look at maybe the two programs in the country who stood most to benefit from this expanded playoff, I think I think Penn State would be one of them. And Old Miss, at least in this moment, might be the other. Because, I mean, these were teams that both went, they went 10 and 2, and their losses are to, in Penn State's case, Michigan, Ohio State, in Old Miss's case, Alabama, Georgia. You know, they're, they're, they're just right up against that. Well, now maybe it's a, it's a, you know, maybe you don't, you can, you don't have to clear that hurdle to make the playoffs, at least, obviously, that's, that's what you're saying. And I just think, I just think Lane Kiffin, with all this free agency in this sport, I think he's kind of a man of the moment uh, here. And I was tremendously impressed with his offense um, in, in the Peach Bowl. I I, I just, uh, the tempo that they were able to play with and stay organized and stay precise. I, I don't, I, I was just really kind of blown away, even though Penn State was a mess in a lot of ways and you could kind of see that coming in. I was impressed with Ole Miss, definitely. Well, they they certainly looked a little better than Iowa's offense. That was <laughs> the, the thing we take for granted. That's kind of that's what we say. That's what we call a low bar. Yes, it, it, it is, <laughs> a, low is bar. a low bar. That's not a even low. a speed bump. Forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they, they they actually might be a pothole. Um, so one of the things, Coach Franklin takes a lot of heat. I'm not certain from the outside looking in that it's that it's something that you can really control as a coach, but it takes a lot of heat for not being able to pierce the barrier of Ohio state and Michigan, yep. even though both those teams you could argue are at historical highs in terms of how well yeah. they're, they're performing. We're close to it. Yeah. Does this, does this 12 team playoff, does that effectively get some of his critics off of his back and buy him some time to see if he can get in there and, and maybe win them back? Some of his critics, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. Not nearly all, uh, because I, I, I just think that uh, people, people the, the, the sort of party line on James is he's a really good CEO, but he's not a, he's not a big game coach. He's not an X and O guy. He's not, that's the, that's the thing. And, uh, 
I think they almost have to win the whole deal to really fully erase that in the minds of uh, some Penn State fans, certainly some of the ones that correspond with me. And <laughs> yeah. Are a little, they're a little out there. Some of them are a little out there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn out to, to basketball with the football done for the moment, although, listen, state college football is never done. Um, yeah. Nettie Lyons, um, you're one of the new head coach there. Got a nice win last weekend at the Palestra over Michigan. And now in a stretch where this team is really going to, you know, kind of test and see where they are. Obviously, Northwestern um, at uh, number one, Purdue this weekend, then uh, number 21, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State and Minnesota is is playing very well. Um, this is a pretty much a, about as tough as a schedule as it gets um, in the stretch. And really, when you think even before the Michigan game, you had Michigan State, which is, um, um, you know, they're, they're never an easy team either to play. Well, yeah, they beat them. Michigan State beat them by 30 last yeah. week. So they're, yeah. they're really yeah. not an easy team to play. It's me. <laughs> I, I was at the Palestra yesterday. That was uh, that was it's such a great place to watch a game and cover a game. It's awesome. But but uh, I thought Penn State played really well uh, in the second half. And we started, I, I think for the first time, you started to see glimpses of the way Mike Rhodes wants to play with uh, ball pressure on defense, just pressure generally. Uh, on defense, um, 19 turnovers by Michigan. Uh, Michigan is not not great. Uh, they're as, particularly in the backcourt, and I thought Penn State's guards, uh, Clary and uh, Ace Baldwin, uh, played really well. And uh, the first half, they I thought they defended well and just couldn't throw it in the ocean. Second half, they they shot it pretty well and really turned it around. They scored 52 points in the second half. Uh, again, Michigan is six and nine. Michigan doesn't look really athletic and 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 very super talented to me. Um, uh, I, I I gotta be honest, I, I'm rooting for Mike Rhodes. He is an old friend of mine and a great guy, and I really hope he can pull it off. And you could see how they're going to do it if they do it. You could see that uh, yesterday, uh, and but. You know the Big Ten is the Big Ten is a grind, and and uh, uh, any win they can get against anybody in the Big Ten is a great win. Uh, and they've already have a couple losses. That Bucknell loss was brutal. Uh, that really they're already behind the eight ball in terms of the NCAA's unless they can really put something together. Uh, but again, they did put together a really good half of basketball. I thought uh, down in Philly uh, yesterday. Well, Baldwin's you know, played very well yesterday, 25 points. He's had a couple games where he's, he's nearly doubled his average. Is that Penn state doing something different to take advantage, give him opportunities, or is it where he's playing teams that, that maybe don't have the guard play and then, then he gets a chance to dominate. I, I would guess that yesterday the explanation was more the latter. Uh, Penn, uh, Michigan did not. Michigan did not have quick guards. There are some Big Ten opponents that uh, that uh, Clary and Ace Baldwin being your starting guards. That's going to be a disadvantage. That's going to be a size disadvantage uh, against some uh, opponents. It, it certainly was on paper a size disadvantage yesterday. But but uh, Michigan's guards really did not have the athleticism. Uh, Ace Baldwin got to the got to the rim a lot in that game, and and wasn't always to score. It was a lot to create opportunities for other guys. I thought I thought Penn State's bigs played pretty well, and uh, Clary's shot was one for nine from the field in the first half. Really turned it around in the second half. Uh, so I, I mean, <laughs> they're not going to be do, able to do what they did yesterday against many teams in the big 10, I don't think. Uh, but this is how they're going to approach it. Ball pressure, uh, 94 feet, uh, defense. It, it's almost, uh, it's almost a Patino style is what, uh, what, uh, what Mike wants to do. Uh, and, uh, as he gets the athletes to do it, that's how it's going to happen at Penn State. Uh, talking with our friend Mike Rose again of Lancaster Papers, uh, columnist, uh, good friend of the show here. I, I want to get your thoughts just for a moment. Um, not that you're an expert on Michigan basketball at all, but um, obviously you've covered this team year in, year out, and seen uh, what they've done, not just with Juwan, but when John Beeline was there. Um, it just feels like right now that this is a team that's a program that's, that's kind of lost its way. I mean, when you've got 
when you've got more headlines about, you know, the head coach uh, getting ejected and, and, you know, there was the slap of an assistant coach before, and there was a challenging of Mark Turgeon before that. And it's, um, it just feels like it's a program. Like you said, they're not, they're not wowing anybody. They're, they're not putting up good wins. I mean, they're, they're not a team that when you watch them, that you're impressed. And I'm trying, I'm trying to be nice about that. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to tear them down at all. You know what I mean? But I, but, but I do know just, what you mean. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's one of those teams. It's like, I, to me, I always, I always see that program as one that's, that's going to get, bring you something. And it's a team right now that as I look at teams that may make a run in the conference play, they're not on my list right now. What no, what do you see is is going on with this program? That from your, I'm I'm yeah. kind of yeah yeah I'm I'm kind I'm with you. I'm kind of stunned by how untalented they are. Yeah. They have good overall size. They have really good overall size, and some of the big kids can can play a little bit. But their overall their overall athleticism, their overall mix of talent, and again the guard play is just not. Very good. And you, you'd think Michigan, you know, remember when when Jawan Howard got this job and it was, you know, Beeline was the guy who Beeline, who was a great basketball coach, for some reason thought he was good enough, great enough to turn around the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I don't know why he thought that. But but uh, that was a weird thing to think by the by a smart guy. But but uh, um, the the sort of media party line on this was. Well, they're getting back to their Fab Five roots with the hire of Jawan Howard. They're they're getting back to it. Well, you know, the Fab Five never won the Big Ten, and uh, John Beeline has has been going to the Final Four. Uh, so, so the you know the idea that I, I mean I, I I'm I'm being a little unfair by saying that people couched it as an upgrade from Beeline to Howard. I, I, that's probably a little unfair to the media, but there was a little bit of this feeling about, okay, now we got a, we got one of our guys in there. And it, and it really has not happened. It, it really, and with, uh, with an assistant like Phil Martelli, who kind of was the head coach yesterday, just kind of a, a gift from Howard because of the return to the palestra. Uh, Martelli, of course, at St. Joe's for many years, uh, and he spoke. He, he was very. He did the post game press conference yesterday. He was very eloquent about what it meant to, what it meant to play uh, in the palestra and return home and uh, get the cheese steaks and all of that stuff. So, um, but anyway, I, I'm I'm rambling here. But uh, Michigan basketball, you're right. Michigan basketball has not become what I think it was reasonable to think it might become under Jawan Howard. Yeah. You know, with, with Coach Rhodes, it seems to me that that maybe Juwan Howard is is has been very effective at recruiting, just not necessarily constructing a roster, which I think are two different things. What, that's what right. Do you, yeah, what that's do you expect? What do you expect at, off, out of Mike Rhodes? What is what is he trying to to re- first off? Is it how is his recruiting going? And then secondly, what is he trying to put together roster wise that the Big Ten will will We'll, we'll look at him and say, oh, that's a Rhodes team. I saw him at uh, I saw him this summer at an AAU type thing and we were chatting and and he said he had just finished putting this two week two or two month stretch in which he put his entire roster together. Nine transfers and one fresh one high school freshman because he only got the job in the spring. I mean, it wasn't like he had a great opportunity. So he really, uh, but he was telling me, I, I I like my guards. I like my little guys. I think we're going to shoot well. Our big guys, this is sort of an off-the-record thing, but you don't, our big guys, not really my kind of big guy, not really what I'm looking for. And I think from the kid, uh, I can never remember names, the kid that transferred in from Georgetown, who's been uh, who played pretty well yesterday, I think he's gotten maybe more from him than he could have expected he that kid has the rebounding gene he's had a game like like an 18 rebound game this year so so but anyway it's just tough mobile athletic kids that's what he wants uh uh, they'll be able to play that defensive pressure style uh again the the kentucky comparison is uh, even the Georgetown back in the day with John Thompson, where where they they really want to guard you for ninety four feet. I mean, sometimes they sometimes they double team the the um, the uh, the guy receiving the inbounds pass, like they don't cover the the passer. Uh, 
you know, 90 feet from the basket. Uh, th that's how they want to do it. And then ball pressure all the time from the guards. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, you think of some of the teams in the Big Ten, like the um, that uh, Illinois team in, back in the day with uh, Marcus Liberty and that whole gang was a bunch of guys that are all the same size and they could switch every screen and they could defend like crazy and they were 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I, mean, I mean, I'm sure he could have a field day with a bunch like that. Uh, that's what he's looking for. That's what he's sure. looking for. And that'll be fun to watch. And as we were talking before, I think this is one a year that you've only got a, maybe two or three teams that are elite in the big 10. Um, and, but, but spots four on down are wide open and there's no question Penn state could, you know, find that right gear at the right time to make that happen. Hey, Mike, we appreciate your time as always, man. Happy new year. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Same to you guys. I'm always here. <laughs> All right. We appreciate it. We'll be calling. Yeah. You know that. Mike Rose, uh, friend of the show. We appreciate him calling us again for Lancaster Newspapers and joining us here on the Sports Spectacular. Stay with us. More to come after this. Back on... Uh on the show here and my, my guy college hoops. Let's talk some college hoops. We had a wild night Tuesday, right? Uh, Tuesday night, you saw number one, Purdue go into Nebraska and look like they had not played basketball ever um, at times. And then you, they had some of the worst offensive possessions I think we've ever seen. And then you had number two, Houston going to Iowa state and they fall 57, 53. And they look like they did not know what offense was either. The over-under on that game was 129 and a half. They scored 110 points combined. Definitely a defensive struggle. It's um, Is this just college basketball? You know, the, the one that surprises you is Nebraska. Now, they have their good record, you know, going into the non, you know, coming out of non-conference. But I think they're building something there. And, and obviously, Purdue getting caught there, their role players, who played such a key role in, you know, slipping past the fighting Illini uh, last week. And, and this, this case, the rest of the team just didn't seem to come ready to go. And, and Purdue found out that, that you, you have to play every night and, and you can't just take a, take an evening off. And boy, that really hurt. You know, um, you're looking at players like, um, Trey Kaufman Wren, who went from 23 points to zero points in 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 back-to-back -back games. That's just that's that's the part of the growth process that these younger players are going to have to get past during the regular season where they can play consistently, or you're set up for another upset in the NCAA tournament. So you're picking 16 over one again. Is that what you're saying? No, I, and it's I, hard I don't to know. know, you know? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a concern for Purdue. They're obviously very good, but um, they, they definitely have had times when they're, they're role guys, when they don't get enough from Edie and teams take them away, those role guys, when they're really, when they're good, Purdue's almost impossible to beat. As we've seen, they have a huge, even with their, their current resume is still fantastic. When you look at the wins they have, but they also have shown that they can struggle against teams they probably should be able to beat, especially on the road. We've seen them play two road games in the Big Ten and come up short twice, right? So, um, in those games, uh, another team, you know, the, how about is it blue? Are the Blue Bloods back? Kentucky, Duke, they're back on top. They've got you know, Kentucky is now uh, you know looking. They're in the number six. Duke is rolling. I mean, they look like they were playing against a junior high team when they played Pitt the other night. Um, they're in the, you know, number 11, you know, these blue bloods, North Carolina is back after a, what was a, you know, disastrous season a year ago. Can Connecticut good. Is it our blue bud season back in, uh, back in vote? I think, I think you're going to see, um, while NIL and the transfer portal is going to spread the talent out, I think your blue bloods and your teams that have the bigger NIL, generating programs are going to have an advantage in terms of either a choosing how they want to spend the money, whether that's on, you know, top 20 recruits, whether that's on the best out of the portal. 
And I think you're going to see some of those blue bloods be able to reload a little quicker, a little easier because they have a little more spending money. And let's face it, they got some cachet on the market. You know, a call, you know, a kid has got to be excited if he's like, I'm going to transfer to Kentucky versus if he's going to decide, do I transfer to Colorado State? Yes. Well, that's fair. Kansas. I didn't even mention Kansas and they're rolling there. 31. The analytics don't love the Jayhawks though. I mean, like, it seems like they're, you look at Pomeroy and Torvik and all these computer models, they're down in the, like 15th range of net. But then when you look at them in, you know, pool, they're, they're, you know, they, they only had one loss, you know? So it's pretty impressive uh, to see the blue bloods like this from the mid-major ranks. Everybody's darling from last season was Florida Atlantic. The Owls switch conferences to go into a different conference. And suddenly they've lost to Florida Gulf Coast. They've lost to Florida Atlantic. Losing to Illinois is not, not a, that's obviously one of those, that's not a bad loss at all. But they just don't look like that team that is clicking that we saw at the end of the year. They have a great win over Arizona too, but they lost to Bryant. Um, man, I, I don't know. This team just doesn't look the same. I, I agree with you. And, you know, the the defensive effort that they put out there um, night in and night out, they, they've got a good team. But yet at the same time, you know, you, you're seeing them give up some games with more points than what you would anticipate. So I, I don't know if it's that step up in quality. I can tell you that, you know, when Houston got upset by Iowa State, I think being in the Big 12, is a step up and they're going to have to adapt to the, to the level of, of conference that they're in. And I think even Florida Atlantic is going to have to get used to that increase. And of course they've got a, the other thing is they've got a huge bullseye painted on them because people now they're not going to sneak up on anybody. It's like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get a hold and see if we can scalp them and put that up that trophy up on our wall. And that's a lot different than, F A U. What does that stand for? <laughs> uh, F A U. Yeah, and, and you know they don't have a great. The, the Arizona win's going to really be big for them, but they can't have many bad losses. Yeah, moving down this this season because really outside of Memphis, there's nobody in their conference. You go, wow, that's a huge win. So it's uh, Florida Atlantic really has to take care of business in conference play if they want to get where they want to go in the NCAA tournament. College and, and, and we're Mike. We're just starting conference play. Well, and, and think about it real quick before we wrap here, but the bottom line is, is look at Wichita State. You know, they had one of the most, uh, the, the best programs move up into a different conference, and now they're a middle of the, of the road team. But the, these, these conference changes are not as uh, easy going as people think they are. And next year, it could be teams like Oklahoma and Texas and USC and Oregon and Washington that hit bumpy roads in their conference affiliation change. I'm not certain that when they signed up to change conferences that they thought of that. Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're college poops, man. It's fun. Great time of year. We'll be back right after this. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. 
we can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. You're listening to the Penn State Guys Radio Network. Joining us now for the first time in 2024, back on the show, he is the senior writer of CBSSports.com, Jerry Palm. Jerry, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, too. How was, I got to ask, uh, I'm sure you were in the house in Mackey Friday night. Was there ever a moment yeah. you were concerned as that they made that comeback? Um, yeah, because the officiating was really random in that game. And so I didn't, I wasn't worried about Purdue doing their part. I was worried about the officials doing something stupid. Um, and when I say that the, the officiating was bad, it was bad for both teams. Um, you know, like, uh, Zach Eady's first foul was a phantom foul. Um, they, they get the Lance Jones on a flagrant foul, which was not really one of the options available to them on replay. I mean, yes, obviously they could have replayed that, but that was also pretty ridiculous. But then, so they get the two free throws, Illinois does, and then they get the ball back and they call Coleman Hawkins, I believe it was, for traveling when he didn't travel. It, it, there were at least two or three travels in that game um, that weren't traveling calls. And uh, you know, Illinois probably suffered more from that than Purdue did. Um, yes, the officiating was not great uh, either way. Um, so you always worry about what the refs are going to do when they're not having a good night. Um, oh, Coleman Hawkins should have been teed up for all of the demonstrative behavior. Um, you don't see very many refs let you get away with that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, I'm not the ref. Um, I was the ref, not at that level ever, obviously, <laughs> but I just did high school ball. But that was one of the things we were taught is, you know, if you can't calm him down, tee him up, that'll yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing Coleman that hurt him with NBA scouts is what, you know, we're learning when he tested the waters last summer um, and probably get that under control. Fantastic player, but it yeah, doesn't, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. When the, the, the play at the end of the first half, you fouled him. It wasn't, it wasn't a flop. Oh yeah. And not <laughs> only that, he stuck around the teams are in the locker room and he's still out talking to the ref and it's the same guy, the same ref, not making all of the bad calls, but that Coleman Hawkins is talking to all four times he gets demonstrative with the rest. It's the same guy. Yeah. And yeah, you know, if you're sticking around halftime to argue about an obvious call, then, you know, it's, it's time to, it's time to uh, put him in his place. And they wow. just never did. And you, know, you can lose control of a game that way. Now they didn't. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's just one of the many examples of a poorly officiated game. It's funny every year, and here we are already, right? The first, you know, first week, second week of 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 the new year, and we're already talking about the referees. What is it about the Big Ten um, and the issue of refereeing? I mean, every year it comes up where there's just some real obvious calls, and we're not just picking. Yeah. And to your point, there were calls on both ways. This is not just yeah. one side. Yeah, bad other. officiating is rarely one sided. Um, yeah. fans always think it's one sided, but bad officiating is rarely one sided. Um, I was at the home Nebraska game for Purdue last year and I had great seats. I was not in the press area. I had a buddy of mine who had tickets and I was sitting basically behind Fred Hoiberg. And um, so I got a real good look at the refs and I actually got to hear them speaking sometimes. And it, they, that's like the worst officiated game I think I have ever seen in the big 10. And I've seen a lot of big 10 basketball and Purdue benefited more from the bad officiating than Nebraska did. It was just horrible. And there was, it seemed like that there was one guy on that crew whose job it was to apologize to the coaches when one of the other guys did something stupid. <laughs> and, that, and he spent a lot of the game doing that. And it was just, you know, now this game, the Purdue Illinois game wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, but this, this, that crew did not exactly cover themselves in glory that day. Yeah. 
And once again, we hope the Big Ten can get this figured out with all the money coming in, everything going on. Let's let's uh, get this worked out. Officiating is a problem everywhere. And it starts at the grassroots level where there, people are having a hard time getting uh, people to actually take up officiating sure. because parents are jerks and you only will put up with so much of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's well, well stated. Um, we want to get into a little bracketology with you. Of course, obviously Purdue at the top as they should be. Um, I think Purdue is the best team in the country and I don't see anything out there. Um, that's going to change my mind anytime soon. Um, you know, obviously Houston undefeated, even though they play, um, you know, now playing in the big 12, um, what a challenge for them this year. You know, they've, they've, Kelvin Sampson's at a love him or hate him is at a great job of, of rebuilding that program into a powerhouse down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now I think they're undefeated, but now they're in the big 12, right? So, I mean, yes. you know, there are some, there are some bigger challenges ahead. Um, and so far again, we're early and in, in, in the new year in 2024, they've, they're answering the challenge so far. Yeah. Well, and they haven't really got into conference play, you know, yet there's been a, maybe a game or two, but they haven't hit the, of the better teams in that league. I think they travel to Iowa State this week, which is a really tough place to play. Uh, and that game might be played in the 40s because those are two of the best defensive teams in the country. And uh, that, it'll, that'll be an interesting challenge. But yeah, going through the grind of a Big 12 schedule is going to be a lot different than going through the American where you might have one or two other teams that could challenge you, like Memphis, for example, was always a pretty reliable challenger for Houston. Uh, but this league, you know, before they added these four teams, they had seven or eight teams competing for NCAA tournament spots out of 10 pretty much every year. So now they might still have seven or eight or nine teams competing for NCAA tournament spots. But when you're playing teams like that, at least once a week, sometimes twice, that's a lot more of a grind than going through the American where you can, you're can you going to have a lot of guys where you can rest players. Yeah. Look at your uh, your latest bracketology. Again, this is Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com uh, that you got here on there. And you know I'm on your site a dozen times a day. I mean, I, it's probably my top bookmark. Um, obviously, your top line, Purdue, Kansas, Houston, UConn, no surprise, defending champs. You've got Wisconsin on your two line. What impresses you about the Badgers at this point? Yeah, it's, it's you know, part of that is it's just the way college basketball is going. But Wisconsin has got, you know, three good losses. Uh, Arizona, Tennessee, Providence. Providence may come back to the pack a little bit with the injury to, I think his name is Hawkins. Hawkins um, yeah. He's out for the year, and that, that's obviously a big blow to them. But they won at Michigan State. They beat Marquette. You know, they beat SMU. might be a tournament team. We'll find out. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, and Virginia. So, you know, they've picked up some pretty decent wins, don't have any bad losses. And this time of year, that can get you in the top ten. Um, well, and you know, two seed is five through eight. So, um, yeah, Wisconsin has done a pretty good job and, you know, so far has failed to do something stupid. And there, this time of year, there's a lot to be said for not doing something stupid. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Um, and I, boy, what a job Greg Gard has done taking over for Bo Ryan every year. We say, yeah, but this is the year it's going to blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And they come out. It never and happens, does it? It never happens. Yeah. He finds a way to get it done. And, and, and maybe one of the most overlooked uh, coaching jobs today in, in the, in college basketball. Uh, you mentioned Marquette. You've got them as a two seed as well. Um, the Warriors kind of, the Warriors, I'm showing my age. <laughs> I do that sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can tell we're old school when we're still whipping out Warriors when talking exactly. about Marquette. Exactly. Reminiscing about Al McGuire. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Jerome Whitehead, but yeah, you're exactly. Um, are, are they had a couple of losses here lately. Are they a team that may be on the decline right now or what's going on with Marquette? No, I just they've got a tough schedule. Uh, they lost at Seton Hall this week, uh, which, which was after that bracket came out, uh, which would probably move them down. But they've beaten, you know, Illinois uh, on the road. They beat Kansas um, neutral. Creighton in the league, a very good team. They're going to get other real good challenges in their league. They're one of the favorites in that league. Um, so they're, they're going to have uh, a lot of opportunities to continue to stack quality wins. And if that Seton Hall loss, is their worst conference loss. They're not going to have any problems at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the ACC because this is a, a, a conference that obviously we know, I won't say dominated college basketball, but certainly you could make an argument, the premier conference in college basketball for a very long time. Um, you know, the big three uh, coaches have now retired in William Krzyzewski and, and now Bayheim. Um, it, it 
do you see this league coming back with all the changes going on? Uh, we may have more changes on the horizon, not too distant future, with maybe Florida State trying to get out, and maybe that may open the door and the floodgates for some other teams to leave. Um, what is it right now about the ACC, and how do they kind of get that mojo back overall as as a league? Yeah, well, better players and you know, better coaches is how you do that. There's no substitute for um, better players and coaches. You know, so Duke and uh, Carolina had an off year last year, um, but you know, those two teams are still the the bellwether programs in that league, and everybody else just kind of comes and goes. So, you know, Miami's had a couple of good years; they're coming back a little bit. Clemson looks like they're having a good year. Uh, Virginia has had some great years, but now they've come back to the pack a little bit. And it's just kind of, you know, inconsistency in quality behind Duke and Carolina. And lately, I mean, you know, Syracuse was a big name and they've dropped off. Louisville has fallen into the abyss. Uh, That's another, you know, big time program that, you know, I don't know when they're coming back. Um, So it, it, there's a lot of rebuilding going on behind Duke and Carolina. And I I would guess Clemson and Miami will probably end up tournament teams this year, but they may not go much farther than four deep this year in the NCAA tournament. Nobody has really picked up the big wins, you know, outside the league this year, um, except, you know, uh, Clemson, you know, they beat Alabama, they beat TCU when they were undefeated. That was in Toronto. Um, and Duke, but there's just not a lot of big time wins in this league this year outside of some of these other games at non-conference play. And that's really where the league makes uh, its name and how it builds up uh, the ability to have good tournament resumes. Yeah. Talk with Jerry Palm at CBSSports.com. Again, uh, the leading bracketologist. We love all the work that he's done uh, over all the years. Um, and I think that's a great point as well, that one thing the ACC, the strength the ACC had was that, um, one, the, the big boys, Duke and North Carolina, played a great non-conference schedule, but also you had those wins in conference. With the mega conferences now, you can't guarantee getting those signature wins in conference play that's going to get you over the hump on selection Sunday. And, and, and even in some ways, I mean, again, Duke and Carolina still play those teams. Right. When you get a conference play, if, if you are a Clemson, if you are a, a Wake Forest or a Pitt, you may only have one crack at getting right. that win. And if you don't get it, you're NIT bound or, or going yeah. home. Duke and Carolina will always play each other twice. I'm sure. I don't know what their scheduling formula is, but you know, Duke and Carolina will probably always play each other twice. Uh, but then for everybody else, maybe you get a shot at it. Maybe you don't. Um, you know, so unless somebody is out making hay in non-conference play and establishes itself as a NCAA tournament contender, uh, a contender to get in the tournament, but you're, yeah, you're scheduled. It's uh, that league is already what 15 and are going to add three more, uh, for basketball. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to play one game against most of the teams in your league. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's asking a lot. I mean, it's uh, when your conferences get that big and you're playing so few round, you know, double, uh, you know, home and homes. It's uh, I think it's really tough to judge these teams. And then you get to the conference tournament, you might get another game or two if you get far enough along. Uh, But, you know, if you don't get far enough along, you might not even get a game that helps you there. And that becomes problematic when it's time to, to try and make the NCAA tournament. But the ACC is not alone there. The Big Ten is much bigger than 10, going to be 18 next year. The Big 12 is up to, what, 14, going to add four more. So they're going to be 18. Uh, the Big East is maintaining, and that's still a major conference in college basketball. Nobody thinks about them. Pac-12 is going away. But um, it's uh, you've got a lot of conferences who will not be teams in conferences that are going to be bubbly kinds of teams that really have to do well outside the league because they may not get too many opportunities inside the league. No, I totally agree. And even SEC is going up with the addition of their two. So they'll be yep. at 16 or something. So, and I think it's it's what we saw with the Big East back in the 2000s. And if you remember, you know, 2009, where everyone, Louisville won the Big East regular season and tournament title. It was like, oh my, this is the best team. Well, they didn't, the, of the other top three teams in the conference, they played like twice combined. Yep. Right. So how do you gauge these teams? And I think that's where mm-hmm. it will create much more drama in March, which you it and will. I love. It'll be hard for the selection committee. Yeah. If these teams are are not getting or winning good non-conference games, it's going to be harder for the selection committee to sort out the wheat from the chaff in the in the big conferences 
um, if there's not a lot of opportunities. But, you know, strength of schedule is one of their things. So if they don't go play good non-conference schedules and that league doesn't give them a good schedule, now you could have a gaudy record and nothing behind it. Yeah, and we've seen that happen. Syracuse is a team I know a couple times that Bayheim would whine about. I'm like, well, you know, you had five losses outside the top 100 and you didn't play anybody. So you played right. Brown twice in December. Yeah, Syracuse, Syracuse is a team that was left out at least twice in the years that I've been doing this, yeah. mostly because their non-conference schedule was crap and they didn't do well enough in the league to make up for it. Yeah, and didn't play those those teams that are going to give you a good yeah. resume bump. It's happened your- to Alabama twice, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts. Um, it's it's early January. So much is going to change in the next two months. Who's a team out there that 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 we should watch that really hasn't made a lot of national noise yet, but is a team to be to be reckoned with? Um, let's see. I guess I'm really curious to see what Oregon's going to do. Hmm. Um, Oregon has been playing without Folly Conte. He's supposed to be coming back. That's a really talented big. That's going to change what they can do. If he can come back soon, get established, and then they get into conference play, that's a team that has a chance to come from pretty much nowhere right now. They're not dead, but they're not, you know, they're not really looking like a tournament team to a team that could could run through its conference, do pretty well, and possibly earn not just an at-large bid, but maybe even crack the top 25 by the end of the season. Okay. All right. We'll leave it at that. Jerry Palm, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Jerry Palm. Again, senior writer, CBSSports.com, and he is the father of bracketology. Be sure to go to CBSSports.com. Check out those picks. Uh, Again, he's constantly changing it. I probably click on this like once a day (laughs) to see just what Jerry's been thinking. So, all right. Take care, uh, Jerry. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. And we've got more coming up after this. Stay with us. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. That's 800-373-8414. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. All right, fellas, NFL regular season is over. Playoffs are here. Uh, Let's take a look at some of the top games. Um, A game that's really intriguing, Uh, Dolphins and Chiefs. You know, Miami had a chance to win the division. Uh, They fall in the finale uh, to the Bills last weekend, and now they go out and play the Chiefs. Um, You know, I don't know how they do lately. Of course, they've made the playoffs that much lately, but back in the day, the Shula Marino days, Miami never did well in the cold weather. And I, I just feel like this is why the Chiefs have had their struggles, but you've got to figure they've, you know, they've got the huge advantage in this one. It's supposed to be the temperature is like zero, right? And uh, at Arrowhead. Yeah. One, one degree. I think it's going to be above zero, like all the way to one, Larry. It's going to oh. be more warm. Uh, no. Yeah. This is wild. I mean, you think about it like, you know, Tua, I think their quarter Miami quarterback Tua is uh, from 
uh, Hawaii, right? And then he played at Alabama, and then now he's at Miami. And so this is not what he signed up for. So, so I think it's going to be interesting because it, it does that that Miami defense is is kind of broken up, though, regardless of who they have. But this is going to be, uh, you know, I, I think the Dolphins beat up on some weak teams this year. I don't think they, uh, you know, were as good. I think this is going to be a tough one for them because yeah, I think the Chiefs offense against that Miami defense will have some success. Yeah, I, I think it's the cold weather, you know, Tua just doesn't do the greatest in bad weather. And I, I think this is going to be a tough one for him. Plus, the the Chiefs will probably have the Taylor Swift advantage, um, and and of course, people I believe will have to watch this game on Peacock, which will be the first ever yeah. NFL streaming playoff game. And boy, I've got a couple buddies in Kansas City, and they are angry men. And then I had to break it to them that's still on their local station, and then they got a, they were okay very quickly. You know what this is? What this is a preview of? The 2024-12 team college football playoff. SET, SEC teams may have to go north. Oh, and play that'd be great. In Columbus or State College or Norman. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, Cleveland at Houston. Intriguing matchup. I mean, I think the Texans, how can you not root for the Texans? Uh, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. Uh, and they were horrible in 2022. They come back and. Um, and make the playoffs. Great story. I'm Flacco for the Flacco to the Super Bowl, baby. Yeah, there so, you go. No, give me Joe Flacco. That's an even that might be an even better story. Yeah. Uh, what Joe Flacco's done in Cleveland. I mean, we wrote them off. You know, I, I, there are two teams in the AFC we wrote off a few weeks back: uh, Buffalo and Cleveland. And, and here we are, and they're both they both won one won eleven games, one won or both won eleven games. I mean, this is like, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I, you feel for Cleveland Browns fans, so I, I kind of want them to win. At the same time, I really enjoy watching C.J. Stroud. So uh, for me, I think in in this particular case, I'm going to go with Cleveland, but either team I enjoy, so I, I'll be okay. I think it's, it's a fun matchup, and you're right, a lot of great storylines. Uh, we're not going to talk about um, uh, Deshaun Watson, by the way, heading back down to Houston uh, and all the masseuses um, skipping the game. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, stay deep in the heart of, sorry, Green Bay at Dallas, uh, the Cowboys. Hey, listen, Mike's a big Cowboy fan. For once, the Cowboys actually come through and live up to the preseason hype. Uh, that's what I was really excited about this team. I thought Dak Prescott had a great season. And how about CeeDee Lamb? I did not know that no Cowboy receiver had ever led the NFL in receptions. And yet CeeDee Lamb got it done with all those great receivers. CeeDee Lamb is the man. I, yeah, I think Dallas, their regular season lived up to expectations, but I don't think it matters unless you win in the playoffs here and they're favored, but this is a green Bay team that actually is, uh, is, is solid and they're going to give them a run for their money. I, I, but I like the Cowboys here. I like the Cowboys because they're at home. The uh, only team I believe in the NFL who was undefeated at home this season, but there's also the X factor of the Cowboys in the playoffs. And when you haven't done anything in the playoffs for nearly 26, 27 years, that, that means they've got potential, Mike. Potential. Expect, expectations are not high, but <laughs> let's hope, let's hope they can make it to the NFC championship game. Listen, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, from the, the chant of you know, the Chicago Cubs, wait till next year, next year, finally here, for the Detroit Lions, baby, the Lions. Uh, last NFL championship was back almost a decade before the Super Bowl was created. Uh, Eisenhower was in the White House. That's how long it's been. Only one playoff win since then, but even the quarterback of that team, Eric Kramer, told us you know, earlier here on the show a few weeks ago, he thinks that this year Jared Goff will do this. So the two teams who swapped quarterbacks a couple of years ago uh, now will meet in Detroit, the Rams and the Lions. This is actually a really good matchup. I know the Rams don't get enough publicity for how well they've played in the second half of the season. They've actually been quite good, and and they've got obviously you know we forget that a couple of years ago they were hoisting the uh, Lombardi Trophy. So this is they've got a lot of guys who won. Um, this is a tough matchup for Detroit, but uh, you know they're at home, so it should be fun. I, I think this is awesome. It's awesome for Detroit too. It's a tough matchup, but I, I really like this this game. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Detroit on this one, but but I do think it it will. Be, Dan Campbell is just an exciting type of guy, and he's going to come in. His team's going to be sky high, you know. 
I like to watch Kirby Joseph, so I, I'm going to be rooting for them. But I do think this this should be an exciting matchup, and I think it's one of those that'll go down to the very end. Yeah. Did Brad? Did the Brad Allen officiating crew get this game? How did that work? <laughs> yeah. I think they were banned from the playoffs, and they missed the cut, right? <laughs> I, I think they did, but yeah. I wonder Dan Campbell was probably hoping they didn't make it, right? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that that officiating crew costing the Lions uh, the win against uh, the Cowboys uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Well, they did. That was a thing. <laughs> that was a two point conversion. Let's that's just how we look at it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. With crystal clear glasses. That's how we. That's how we look at it. So exactly right, fellas. Before I let you go, give me one team to upset the weight of the Super Bowl from both conferences. Who do you like? Man, I, I actually to that could upset. I, I wouldn't pick them. I, I think San Francisco is going in the NFC, but the team that I think could do it is the is the Rams. I mean, they they would be my team that I think could do it in the AFC. Um, the upset, I, I'm a right now my favorite in the AFC. Everybody's talking Baltimore. I think it's Buffalo. They're my favorite, but I think the upset team is Cleveland. The Flacco, Super Bowl champion quarterback, baby. Love yeah, it. I I'll agree with the Flacco because I think there's a there's there's a, a certain need that you have for a quarterback who can play well when you need him to, and he's been through this grind before. In the NFC, I, I'm going to say the upset team is Dallas because nobody expects them to go that far. And I'll be shocked as well, but they have the talent to go that far. I'm going to join you on that bandwagon so you're not all alone by yourself. And besides, lightning has to, to strike at some point, right? You got to catch in the bottle at some point. I, no? I used to think waiting from 77 to 92, that 15 years was intolerable, but little did I know what was in store after 1995's. Uh, exactly. Dallas Cowboy football fan and Illini football fan. You are all about patience, Mike. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. It didn't used to be when it came to the Cowboys, but old Jerry. There you go. Got a big stadium, but no wins. Hey, <laughs> we got to run. Uh, we are out of time. Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks to everybody who came on to the show. We'll see you next week. Same station, same time. Take care. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of Penn State Guys Sports Spectacular.